Welcome back to the Cyclone Family Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jamie Steyer Johnson, alongside my brother, Eric Steyer, as we head into week four of the college football season. What is important about week four, you may ask? Well, for most of us, we are heading into Big 12 play. I know it's exciting for the Cyclones. We're heading into Big 12 play. 3-0. and Eric, how you feeling after this past week? Great. 3-0. and yep. Can't complain. That. Yeah, yep. exactly. Literally could not be any better. So to get to 3-0, and Iowa State has beaten a couple teams, you know, most recently, Ohio. This past week, Iowa State did, in fact, take down Ohio, uh, a, a game that really, looking at it, shouldn't have been too much of an issue, and they did it in pretty pretty convincing fashion, right? 43-10, quite a few people played, quite a few people were able to make plays. Uh, a fun part of this game had nothing to do with football. Both Iowa State men's and women's basketball were also honored on the field for their incredible runs in the NCAA tournament last year, which means that our mom was out there as well as you, Eric. And so you had a chance to watch a little bit of the game down there. I know for me, like when I had been down there, I was down last year at one point, everyone just seemed so much bigger. Like you forget from the stands that these are like tall guys. And I mean, for you, there's probably guys even taller than you at like you know, six three six four. So, what was it like to be down there and take a look at, like, oh, these are the guys that I've been watching that I've been cheering for? Yeah, I mean, they do seem pretty big down there. I mean, it helps, you know, when they're wearing pads. The pads <laughs> really make them look a lot bigger than they truly are. But yeah, it's just a different perspective down there. It's honestly not the greatest place to watch the game from, especially when they're not right near. We we are down by the end zone. Um, what would that be? The north end zone. And when they weren't near that end zone, it was kind of hard to tell what was going on. But luckily, for a good chunk of the first quarter, they were down by our end zone. Iowa State was, so it was it was a it was a unique angle, a different place to watch the game, but maybe not the best place to watch. I don't know if you're trying to see everything going on. Yeah, I think I was down there before the game. I had a friend's sister was on a visit, and it was cool to see them run through run through like their pregame routine and see them do that but then it's a lot easier to see from the stands for yes. sure <laughs> for sure okay it is it is fun to just i mean we, did, we got to walk on the field during a timeout and stuff that's fun to just go out on the field but well, yeah, yeah as far as watching the game it's the best place yeah i mean you're out so. there you get to see all the cyclone fans that are there like hey yes nice to see you all again but uh yeah good at least it wasn't like a super intense game that you you were really wanting to lock in on every single play but uh one thing that i okay so if you listen to this podcast like this isn't news to you but i'm not an x's and o's kind of person i'll call myself big picture to be generous but it's more that just I haven't had a super in-depth knowledge and interest in football for that, that long. With all that said, like, obviously everyone's noticed that there's been a little bit of a pattern with Iowa State's special team so far this year, and that is getting some kicks blocked, man. I mean, do you have any kind of insight or any idea as to why that's happening so much? I don't. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I could pretend like I do, but I don't. I, mean, I feel like it's not a simple problem. If it was a simple fix, then 
it wouldn't keep happening, I would think. So I'm guessing the coaches are breaking down the film again this week. You know, we we assume that they probably were last week after the two punts getting blocked against Iowa, and I'm sure they were, and I'm sure they worked on it, but still, obviously, there are some things to get cleaned up there. Yeah, I mean, to me, it felt like, okay, things happen against Iowa. It's sometimes kind of an outlier. I'm not going to be super concerned. But then when that issue follows you into the next week, and against a, a not great opponent, it's certainly something that you start looking at like, okay, there, there needs to be some kind of change. I don't know what that change exactly would be, but it's, it starts to be a little bit more concerning where against better opponents, your margin for error, like we've mentioned is just so much lower where you, you simply can't have those kind of things happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, this week we, Iowa State didn't have any punts blocked this mm-hmm. week. There was one that was pretty close, it looked like, from my angle to getting blocked. But then they did get an extra point blocked this week. And they didn't. They kicked a few field goals, which I mean, none of the field goals got blocked. But mm-hmm. it does seem like the kicks maybe are just a little bit lower trajectory than you normally see from a kicker, which, I mean, I mean to give credit to Gilbert, um, Jace Gilbert, the kicker for Iowa State. I mean, he's been accurate with his kicks, but just it seems, I don't know, it just seems like they're maybe a little low going over the line. Well, yeah, that's that's actually what I want to get into, which is that, I mean, there's been those issues, but there's also been some some positives from the special teams, right? Because kicking has obviously been an issue for Iowa State for a while, and I've really liked what I've seen from Gilbert. He's got a heck of a leg. And like you said, he's been pretty accurate. You know, his field goals have looked good. He's gotten. Well, I mean, the one against Iowa, I don't know if I'd say it looks good. It went well, through, but it it's not the prettiest. To me, going in is good. I suppose you can have a higher standard than that. Maybe I just don't at this particular point in time. Maybe I should you know, hold, hold by kickers to a little bit of a higher standard, but they've gone in. Okay. And that's a start. And especially he's young, but you just would like to see whatever needs to happen from him or around him to give him either a little bit more time to get that off or to just adjust his motion. Because it's a shame that when you get someone who can get those touchbacks, who can, you know, give you a real good kick, to then turn around and say, oh, but also like one in every five is going to get blocked. Like, I just don't know about the trade-off there. Yeah. I mean, kicking, I mean, the extra point was on uh, on Saturday against Ohio was the first kick blocked of the uh, field goal, like place kick, I guess, yeah. blocked. And then, but the punting is kind of another story, but it's just kind of when you combine those two, it's a, it's a concerning thing, even though really the formations are a lot different, but. I mean, it just, it's kind of odd with Iowa State. It seems like every year there's special teams issues, but it's its not like it's the same thing every year either. Sometimes it's kick returns. You know, they really struggle to cover kick returns. And other times it's just punting the ball in terms of the actual punter, you know, getting distance on the punt. But this year it seems like it's blocking for both punting and kicking. So I don't know. I don't know what the fix. But you hope there better. is one. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure it will get better, but yeah. right now it's uh, a little scary. Yeah, it, it definitely is, especially as you start facing better offenses, because thus far the defense has been able to kind of pick things up and say, okay, well, you put us in kind of a tight spot here, but they've they've held lines pretty well, and you just hope that they, they aren't backed into those corners more often there. Yeah. 
so as far as positives go, like I said, I like the leg on Gilbert. Certainly nice to see that, see some deep punts. Um, there was a lot of positives for Iowa State on Saturday as far as people having what you could potentially call breakout games. That's what I said I was really hoping to see from the game, which was having the next person, so to speak, step up. We know Xavier Hutchinson is the number one target there. We know that Javrell Brock is the number one there. But you want to know what the next option is. Like, obviously, having your number one separate themselves is terrific, but you need to have someone else that you can look to. And I thought there was quite a few people who kind of put themselves out there as potentials. You had... Deshaun Hanica as a tight end, getting his second touchdown of the season, uh, looking pretty good there, moving well there. You've got Sean Shaw Jr., you've got Deion Silas, and then obviously you've also got the potential, we'll get there, of Cartavius Norton maybe being back, which certainly looked like he was someone who may be separating himself there as well. So you could have some depth starting to step up as far as running backs go. And then on defense, you know, you've got people like Anthony Johnson getting his first career interception at Iowa state, trying to make it too. you know, he got a taste for the turnover. He wanted more. Um, but as far as those players who really started stepping up and took advantage of those opportunities on Saturday, who did you feel like had maybe the best performance or maybe the most important person to step up going forward into the Big 12 season? Well, you kind of covered a lot of the ones that I was going to say, but um, I mean, I was just going to talk about the linebackers a little bit. I thought they played really well on Saturday. Um, Orion Vance, I think, mm-hmm. I think he caused the first fumble of the game in the first quarter. And then Colby Reader with the interception late in the game and, uh, Miles Mendezun had a sack too, and I I can't remember that might have been one that caused a fumble as well. Mm-hmm. So I really liked uh, what I saw from the linebackers, and even Will McLaughlin I think had a big stop on a either third or fourth down. I can't remember exactly what down it was, but it was a big stop in short yardage. And so I really liked what I saw from them, and I think that they've really improved over the first three weeks from game one to game three. I think maybe that's the group that I've seen the biggest improvement from, at least from my eyes. And then, I mean, obviously Hunter Deckers was sharp like he has been through the first couple of games and Xavier Hutchinson is Xavier Hutchinson. He just, he just did what he does, I guess. And then I kind of liked, I mean, even the back of the third string quarterback, Ashton cook was sharp when he came in and you already covered, you know, Hanukkah and Shaw and, you know, hopefully we can get um, Jalen Knoll, you know, get him a few more catches in the coming weeks. I think he has a lot of potential. So hopefully we can get him into the offense a little bit more. I mean, he's, he's been doing fine. It's just maybe we'd like to see him, you know, score a touchdown here in the next few weeks. That would be nice. Yeah. That's, I had that exact same thought as Jalen Noel, because I kind of talked about him coming into the season as someone who, you know, the, the name was in people's mouths, right? People were kind of pointing at him and saying, well, he, he showed a, he's shown flashes here and there, and, and he certainly is still doing that, but just hasn't had quite his breakout opportunity. And obviously everyone can't have a great game on the same day. So when you have a day where you've got, you know, whatever it ended up being, something like five different touch of four or five, five different touchdown scores, like, yeah, 
that's great. It's not going to be the entire team getting there. So um, certainly someone I would also like to see. And hey, he's flown kind of under the radar. Maybe that means that he's going to be able to find a spot here and there that he maybe isn't getting the kind of coverage that he would potentially warrant. Maybe he can kind of outplay someone and get some good moves there, but would certainly be nice to see that. Um, and then, like you said, you know, Hunter Deckers was good. I love to see a little rushing touchdown from him. Uh, not that he had like a, a ton to work through to get there, but he looked good running the ball. He looked confident and continued to really hit his target. So fun to see that. And then coming into this week, I said that, my uh, my victory besides the win was going to be Rocco Beck completing a pass. Unfortunately, that did not happen. He was 0 for his only two attempts. But, hey, you got Ashton Cook going in there, 4 for 4. Love that. Had a 25-yard completion. Amazing. I'll go ahead and call that still a success because the point was to have the backups in there and actually doing yeah. something. So I think that can count. Yeah. And, and I, I'll say one more thing with Jalen Knoll. It's, yeah. It is tough when, like, you have Xavier Hutchinson. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no reason to really go away from him if that's what's working. So, I mean, if, if that keeps working, if that works throughout Big 12 play, then you stay with it, and that's fine. I mean, I think every Iowa State fan would be happy if, if you know, he gets 10 catches for 120 yards and a touchdown every week. I think everyone would be fine with that, but it's just concern, uh, not concerning, but against big 12 differences you know they may try to take that away and so you just want to be able to rely on those other options as well well yeah and it's good if you can point at someone and say okay we can we can target him most of the time but we also know that we can rely on this this second option this third option because you just know that yeah you're gonna want to target xavier hutchison most of the time but if you have to make a defense cover another player like Obviously, that's really only a positive. Yeah, and I think I've liked what I've seen from them. It's just mm -hmm. they haven't really been needed that much so far this year. Yeah, and I mean, the the last point I'll make as far as the Ohio game goes before we kind of move on to our next week is I do think that there is something to be said for just the mental state of a team when you're able to get backups in there, when you're able to get people that maybe don't see the field quite as much they go in and have success like do I think that Ashton Cook is gonna play significant if any minutes during Big 12 play no and so in that capacity it's probably not super important that he went in and had a lot of success but when teams have a good relationship when they like being around each other like Iowa State tends to like this team seems to it's really positive people get excited you know you've got guys out there having success getting to do things that not a lot of people in the world get to do and so there's there's certainly something to be said for just the positivity the good vibes if you will of backups going in there and having success I mean you know that when you would get into games as a walk-on on the men's team, if you went in there and you hit a shot, like people would celebrate like it was any anything else, any other big shot. Like there's just so much good that comes out of like the positivity surrounding that. Yeah, it's good for team chemistry. Yeah, exactly. And you can tell then like who who like the real kind of cores are. They're the ones who are like really getting the most hype. <laughs> yeah. 
maybe like about to hit you in the face. Not that you would know anything about being mauled after uh, hitting a shot, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I get yeah, I got drilled in the face by a San Diego State player. But... <laughs> drilled in the face by a San Diego State player, and then like nearly tackled by yeah a couple of your own. Yeah. <sighs> But, you know, just uh, just all occupational hazard. Yeah. Okay, folks. Well, going into this next week, as always, we had a matchup this past week between Iowa State and Ohio. Two home field teams. I was admittedly a little bit concerned because the past week, home field had a special Maction drop, which included some new Ohio merch it was pretty great. I, I did fear a little bit of the home field magic. Thankfully, Iowa State did withstand that. And they will be playing yet another home field team with Baylor, as all of the Big 12 is. You can find them on Home Field Apparel. Home Field Apparel has the best college vintage apparel. It is the most comfortable. It is the coolest. I adore it. I I talk about it every single episode. I could go on and on. I generally do. I'll try and keep it short this week because I'm tired. But if you need more clothes for Iowa State games, for tailgating, if you need a good sweatshirt, do I have the place for you? Homefieldapparel.com. Use code Cyclone12, Cyclone Singular, like Cyclone Family Podcast. Yes, Cyclone12. It's going to get you 15% off of your first order. If you're still able to use that code, that means you haven't made an order before, which means I highly recommend using it because, oh my gosh, you will never go back. You will never own a more comfortable t-shirt, sweatshirt. Occasionally, they'll release joggers. I don't think any of are available right now. Those are the best. I will make a big deal about it when some are available. But yes, homefieldapparel.com, most comfortable college vintage apparel. Use code Cyclone12 for 15% off. We love them. We appreciate their support. Moving on. (laughs) Moving on. As I sometimes struggle to do. All right, Eric. Heading into conference play, Iowa State is one of only four teams left in the Big 12 sitting at 3-0. and Two of those teams are sitting in the top 10. One of them is the newest national darling in Kansas. The other one's Iowa State. And we're yep. just kind of... Just kind of there. there. Under the radar, yep. Under the radar, that's exactly it. And you know... It really, it, it's it's kind of a joke amongst the fan base that Iowa State does better when they're under the radar, when there's no expectations. But looking at last year, like look at, obviously, the expectations for football coming into the season ended up underperforming compared to that. And then you look at things like, again, I'm, I keep going back to the men's basketball team where no one expected anything And you can kind of go out there and and play the underdog. It just seems undeniable that Iowa State is better under the radar. Yeah, I mean, it feels like that's part of their identity and part of their culture is embracing that. And last year, when you don't really have that, I mean, you can try to talk yourself into, you know, being the underdog. But when you're ranked in the top 10 preseason, it's kind of hard to do that. And so coming to this year with, you know, not a whole lot of 
expectations from the outside, it's probably a lot easier to get into that mindset of we're the underdog and use that to fuel you uh, during the year. And and even right now, Iowa State's still not receiving any votes in the top 25. They I think they got a few last week, but then mm-hmm. this week they don't. They got zero votes again. So I think they can you know continue to use that as fuel to you know keep them going throughout the year, and hopefully they can use that again this week. Yeah, absolutely, because you're going up against a Baylor team that is is not the underdog this year. Had their first ever time being voted preseason number one in the Big 12. Um, definitely a team that has had significant success in recent years, has a terrific coach under Aranda. Um, they're, they're a great football team, but it's it's hard to really gauge who they are, I think, just because you've got you've got just some kind of some little quirks to this team. You know, they you've got this team that's had success, but they they haven't made a field goal over three games. They're over <clears> over <throat> one. They've they've attempted one field goal. Like that's just I don't know for a team that's supposed to be really good. That's that's bizarre to me. They seem to be this past week actively avoiding situations where they might kick it by maybe going for it when otherwise you could just kind of chip one. And obviously it, it didn't end up really mattering because it was not a particularly close game, but that's a little bit strange. You have a lot your your one loss on the season is to BYU who was ranked at the time now maybe looking a little bit not as great as they did then given their performance this past week but I don't know it it I'm just having a hard time nailing down where exactly Baylor lands as far as what the expectation was versus the reality what's what's been your perception of them so far um i think i mean i think they're a reflection of their coach i mean the dave aranda you're gonna be solid fundamentally you seem to be solid on defense it's really hard to run on them kind of like we saw with iowa it's really hard to run iowa but iowa state was able to have some success there at least so hopefully they can carry that over to this game as well but on on defense, um, they're really good at stopping the run, and there may be, you know, if they have a weakness, maybe it's pass coverage. Or BYU was able to have a little bit of success against them without some of their top receivers. And you know, Texas State had a guy go for I think like 13 catches and 114 yards and a touchdown against them. And so, you know, if there's a weakness on their defense, that's probably it. And then on the offensive side. It, seems to me that Baylor just loves to run the ball. They're a run first team and even their quarterback can run it a little bit. I saw he had a long touchdown run last week. And so if you're Iowa state, that maybe is a little bit concerning considering uh, the last time you faced a mobile quarterback was really week one against SEMO and he, uh, the SEMO quarterback was able to get out for uh, some long runs. So no, that's kind of what I feel like on on offense they run the ball first and on defense they're stop the run first that's kind of what i've gathered from them yeah absolutely and so for a team that's able to that's been able to see a little bit of balance like iowa state has thus far it's you hope that you can kind of take advantage of the places where 
you feel like you may be a little bit better equipped to do so, you know, you, you'd let you say, okay, Hey, we've got, we've got a quarterback with an arm and, and we've got a defense that we think has really improved from week one. Like you pointed out, you know, they've been, they've pressured a lot better. Um, but you just, you just haven't seen it on this level quite so far, but we may have, a couple little additions that could ratchet things up a notch. You know, there hasn't been any official release, but the whispers have been since I think, you know, week one or so for Remsburg saying maybe conference play, he'd be back. And and the rumors I've heard as far as Norton as well have put potentially both of them as coming back this week. And if that's the case, I mean, how much of a boost is that? Yeah. With both of those guys, I mean, We've, see, we've seen a little bit of Cartavius Norton so far this year, and we talked about it that week, that we really liked what we saw from him. And so to have him back would be a nice boost, even though the uh, the three running backs that have been playing uh, without him have been performing well. It would just It's always nice to get a, another guy back. Then with Remsburg, um, he, it's, it's always a little bit different when we haven't seen him yet this year. So it feels like maybe he'd come back this week, or but if it was – another four weeks it's like who would be surprised with kind of the how the program handles injuries so but it would just be nice to have him back though with the offensive line which has been performing well but just to have him back I think would be a nice boost considering how well he's played when he has been in there in past years yeah I mean to to feel like you're pretty close to full strength going into big 12 play would be would be huge. I mean, you, you've you've avoided thus far. I'll, I'll knock on wood. Any confirmed extended injuries. You know, there there's been a couple people banged up, but the the general at least messaging has been that they'll that we'll see them again this season. And so, if you can head into Big Twelve play, especially a game that you're playing a tough opponent, you know, and um, this year it seems like. There, there won't be any gimmies in the league anymore, unfortunately. Thanks for that, yeah. Kansas. But it, it certainly seems like there's the potential to really go in and say, we're going to have to figure this one out. You know, if, if better, for better or worse, Iowa State's looking like they're going to be going to be themselves. Like you're not going to point at one thing and say, well, this person's out. And so obviously we would have won with them or, well, we, we never had the chance to practice uh, this particular aspect of the game. You know, we never really got to practice the run game or practice the pass game or practice pressuring a quarterback. Like they've, they've seen variations of so many different schemes. Has it been big 12 level competition? Well, no, no, but you've at least been able to do some things live that hopefully can be built upon going into this conference play. So, all right, we, we got into this a little bit um, just discussing kind of Baylor tendencies, Iowa state tendencies, but for you, what, what do you think, Iowa State specifically needs to do, needs to focus on in order to get the win this week? Well, I think limiting on the defensive side for Iowa State, I think limiting big plays will be huge because 
Oh, so far this year, Iowa State, and I can't really think of many big plays that they've given up so far, maybe just a couple. But Baylor, it feels like every time I watch them, they, they're breaking off you know big plays, long runs. But when I look at the BYU game, it seems like they were uh, BYU did a decent job of limiting those big plays. And you know Baylor has team speed that Iowa State hasn't seen yet this year. And so going up against you know the speed that Baylor has, they have the ability to break off some long runs or some or get behind the defense and complete some long pass plays. So just limiting those, I think, is going to be a big key for Iowa State. And then, you know, on offense, if you're able to run the ball just a little bit against uh, the Baylor defense to keep them honest, I think that'll be big and, you know, keep it with keep it manageable on third down. You know, you don't want to be sitting a lot of second 11s or third and nines or anything like that. So if you're able to get a, you know, seems like Iowa State so far this year has had, you know, it's kind of been boom or bust in the running game. At least that's what I've felt like. It's either, you know, one or two yards and then they break one off for 12 yards and then it's one yard, then it's nine yards. Like they haven't had a whole lot of that, you know, four consistent four or five yards. So if they can do that in this game, I think that would be big as well. Yeah, Baylor's 100% the kind of team where you're you're satisfied with just sort of chipping away. You know, you, you feel like, hey, a, a huge play here and there is fine. But if you can consistently get a a better than average performance, like if you can consistently get those four or five yard runs, as opposed to, like you said, you know, a yard or two, just knowing that you can rely on something, being reliable, because like you said, they're so disciplined. It's a team that just that has it together. And so you're you're less likely to be taking advantage at any point in time in, in a huge way, I think it's just going to be a lot better if you can be consistent. Yeah. And I mean, I, I feel like most likely Iowa state's going to rely on Hunter Deckers for the most part to mm-hmm. beat them through the air because they're so good at stopping the run. But like we saw against Iowa, there's, there's going to be a few, there's probably going to be a few short yards moments where it's like third and two or third and one, or maybe even a fourth down and short where you need to get those couple yards. And, Against Iowa, we saw a few times where they were Iowa State was able to convert those, and so you know, doing that against Baylor, Baylor this week that'll be a big key. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I will uh, leave you with this. I was doing a little bit of a little bit of research, as one does um, occasionally, to be honest. Not consistently, but I was talking about how much I liked uh, Jace Gilbert. You know, we both were talking about his leg. You know what I didn't know is uh, is our pal, the kicker, played quarterback in high school. Did really? you know that? I did not. Maybe so now. Tri- trick plays up our sleeve That's See, that's what I'm thinking. I Look, I hope it doesn't come down to it in this game. And... I think it was one of those kind of like smaller school situations. I didn't do I didn't do that much research to actually go any further than just saying that he was the quarterback and he put up some numbers. But we've seen once in a while, once in a great while, they'll just pull something out of nowhere. Like I, I feel like it's just kind of at weird times. Like yeah. they'd be like, hey, you know what? Yeah, we've got a trick play in the book. Yeah, I mean <laughs> we've seen it in past years not necessarily on like fake field goals or anything like that but we've seen you know double passes and 
things like that. So, and I don't, off the top of my head, I can't remember seeing one this year. So who yeah. knows? Maybe we'll see one. Soon. Yeah. So all that to say. Hopefully it didn't just spoil the plans of the coaching staff. Oh gosh. I hope that Dave Arianda doesn't listen to this podcast. Oh, I should have put a, I should have put a spoiler warning at the front. Uh, well, Matt, if you're listening, I'm really sorry if I spoiled it. Uh, just just shoot me a DM. I'll pull the episode down. I'll take the segment out. Anything for you. But for anyone else, look, that's what I now will be sitting on the edge of my seat because I have fully convinced myself that at some point that's going to come into play. I don't know. Full okay. prediction. Bold prediction. At some point, at some at point, some our character's going to throw really a pass. It's the it's the wimpiest bold prediction. I don't make good bold predictions. I put a lot of caveats. Maybe on not it. even. Maybe not even this year. Just at some point <laughs> in his career. At some point up. in his career, Jace Gilbert is going to throw. There you go. Book it. If I can bet on that, I do it. One hundred percent. Do you have a really wimpy bold prediction you'd like to throw in there? Can you out wimpy that? Uh, I I don't have anything. <laughs> Can't like beat that. it. Can't beat it. Nope. Unbeatable. Double, double pass some point this year. Double pass some point this year. I love it. I love wimpy. it. Wimpy. <laughs> I'm ready for it. Hey, maybe it'll be a Jace Gilbert double pass. We could both I win. I don't see how that would work, but. It, I don't know that there's a way it does, but. Hey, you. There's just no way of knowing. There really is just no way of knowing. All right. Well, ending the episode in probably the most bizarre way we have yet. I just had to get that off my chest. I was excited about it. I thought it was very intriguing. I hope so. I hope one other person thinks that, that was interesting. Um, anyway, I'm excited. Hey, I'm going to the game this weekend. I will be in Jack Trice for the first time this season. I will be crossing the pedestrian bridge for the first time in my life. I have been led to believe that it will be a spiritual experience. Uh, I cannot wait. I've I stumbled upon some bridge memes. Have you? Yeah, I've they're, seen them. They're good. They're We're, real funny. Well, I've seen like... When we win, people commenting like, yeah, you just lost to the bridge. I love it. I love it. It's so good. Like, I, I think that, I think that like purposefully bad memes are better than any meme that has any thought behind it. Like, I will, I will always stand behind that. So uh, this is a call for sending more bad Cyclone and or bridge memes to our Twitter at Cyclone Fam Pod. Fam, not family, not enough characters for that. Cyclone fam pod. You can send them to me directly at J Styes, J S T E Y Z. You can try to send them to Eric at Eric Steyer. He he might see it a week or two later, uh, or or while scrolling. Uh, hey, if if you send a really good one. Maybe, maybe you can entice a reply out of them. That is my task for all of you. Oh my gosh, I almost forgot. Um, I end every episode saying, hey, if you like the show, subscribe so you get the episodes. Uh, I'm notoriously bad at tweeting them out first thing in the morning because I sleep in too late and then have to get to work. Um, I also ask for rates and reviews. I kind of forgot the part where that means I have to check for them. And I just discovered 
that we have some really, really nice reviews, some great ratings. Uh, I genuinely cannot thank you guys enough. Like you, you should have seen my face when I discovered that we had ratings, that we had reviews and no one told me it was my responsibility to look. I had no idea. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you're one of the people who have rated, who have reviewed, who have shared it with your friends, family, uh, I, it's awesome. Like to, to wake up, I wake up and I have not posted a link yet. I usually set these to go live at like 5am central. I wake up and I see that there's several people who have downloaded because they subscribe. Like that's, that's unreal. So once again, thank you so much. Um, send in questions. I'll put out a more formal call for questions as we're getting deeper into the season. Would love to answer those on the show. Uh, we're rapidly approaching the point where talking basketball season will be realistic. We should get a conference schedule release here soon. And I'm sure we'll have to dive in on that, but Every week, it is a complete blast. Appreciate you guys all tuning in so much. Eric, appreciate you joining me. Yes, it was fun. Always, always fun, always chaotic. Um, I do I do what I can. Uh, yes, this is Jamie Sire Johnson alongside Eric Steyer. This is the Cyclone Family Podcast, part of the 1012 Network, and now also a part of Sports Drink as well. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We will talk to you next week.